0: Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.
1: Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 134 on the OneOuter.com podcast sponsored by America'sCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from America'sCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group as well. Alex, episode one three four. How are you? This Wednesday we are recording this. I was away to say Thursday.
0: Uh I'm good, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I see. Um, I saw. I saw rather on Twitter when I tweeted. I got back from a holiday. The airline had lost my bags and stuff, and I went straight to a poker tournament. I was like, I think I'm Alexander Fitzgerald or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then you were like. You were at the same time having problems with flights and stuff as well, so...
0: Oh, Lord, yep.
1: <laughs> rather than bore everyone with that, details, is there anything exciting been happening in your life the past a week to two weeks, actually, because we pre-recorded wow. a couple of shows, yeah, so, while I was away, there were pre-recorded ones that went up, so so what's been happening in your uh, your sphere
0: Oh, quite a bit. I was supposed to go to a very, very fun tournament and yeah, it's very funny that you posted that because I did. Uh, I I did have problems uh getting it through airports. I, I I this saga was incredible. So, I had a flight. I just I have to tell my trap the only good thing I get out of my travel woes is I hope you guys get a great laugh at it. There's a Car- Carlos says this thing now when it, he goes this is something that would only happen to Alex. There was he has a theory that only goof, you know, I have the goofiest stuff in the world happen to me and I'm starting to believe he's right. And I don't mind it because my life has been so good I can put up with this. But it, his example, when he, when he told me that theory, was I grabbed a thing of trail mix. We were at Fry's Electronics, and I decided I was going to get some trail mix. So I grabbed my trail mix, and I was holding it, and in full view of 30 people in the line, it just started spilling all over the bright white floor, because <laughs> some kid had cut it open and taken a little trail mix, and I was spilling it everywhere. So while it was still spilling, I was talking to a representative saying, hey, I didn't open the trail mix and start pouring it on the floor like a crazy person. I know this is Las Vegas, and that's not out of the realm of possibility because people are so insane here, but I didn't do that. And Carlos then said, this is something that would only happen to Alex. And I I think my saga getting home was in this realm. Uh. Google Maps, uh, my scheduling software, I have no idea what happened to my scheduling software, uh, created a big glitch. And, well, actually, I'm not even going to say that. It could have been user error. Let's not blame something when it could have been user error. But for whatever reason, I went off for my flight two hours later than I was supposed to. I got to a bridge and it was closed. There were no more flights that night. I go back home uh, to my girlfriend's place in Queens. I crash there that night. I get to another... I I get to another flight, and I go to Chicago, and there's so much... uh, I, I had a connecting flight from Chicago to Las Vegas. The there's so much going on. There's so there's such a bad windstorm that they said, Okay, we have to send you to San Francisco and then it'll be a quick little puddle jumper to Las Vegas and I said, Hey, I have a I have a flight to catch from Las Vegas to Long Beach uh, for this tournament I was gonna play uh with a friend of mine and you know he's a he's a very successful person, great guy. I really wanted to meet him and his friends. Uh well, they, I get to San Francisco and they go, oh, you missed this flight too. And I'm thinking, you know, come on now. And then I, you know, in the line, Barry, I did something I've never done before, which is I complained without telling the woman it was her fault. I said, look, I know this isn't your fault, but you have to realize as a united representative, you have a lot to answer for right now. And you've sent me to four airports today, or whatever it is. And I'm I'm just saying, I'm I'm a little disappointed. And they had this thing, Barry, this system was hilarious. So they have 30 people waiting to get their tickets changed, right? Mm -hmm. They have two representatives, two, who are working glacially. And they have their premier line. And the premier line people can cut you at any time and go up to one of the two representatives. So
1: that's the most view- airlines, isn't it? Like I saw that when I was checking in. a flight. Like there's first class or premium, like business class, and then there's the economy queue. You know, for just just standard check-in. And um, as soon as there's someone at one of those desks, they get called forward before anybody in economy queues, no matter how long you've stood there.
0: Yes, and. Generally, I don't mind that because there's six or seven representatives.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, when there's only two and everybody's waiting there for 30 minutes and there was a there was a kid who clearly uh, and I'm a big keep the peace guy. It, it, I always want to say, guys, we're in a first world country. The fact we even get to fly on airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> let's not get too worked up here. <laughs> OK, but uh, you, everybody's getting real rowdy. And I went up to the front. And I said I I I told this woman, "Hey, you got to you're going to have to pull a few more representatives. People are getting real tasty." Uh, I, I said I, I tried to be really polite. I didn't say too much. And she said, "You know what? I'm going to bump you to first class." And I said, "Excuse me?" <laughs> and, yeah, "You're getting first class on the way to Las Vegas." So <laughs> Oh, and I said, my silence can be purchased. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I flew first class into Las Vegas, and uh, they, they came by, and they said, would you like a free glass of champagne? And I said, time and a place for everything. I don't normally drink, but, hey, I'm in first class, yeah, so I, drink I drank. It. I drank. And then they said, do you, have gum- do you want gummy bears? And I said, well, I've always wanted to have gummy bears <laughs> with champagne, so why don't you give me that? So I'm, I'm eating my gummy bears, drinking my champagne. And Steve Zolotow, I, I, I go up to the bathroom and I see Steve Zolotow. And Steve Zolotow, you guys don't know this, he found a very big error. Not a big error. He, he, he even, in, we were talking in conversation, he found a small mistake in uh, the myth of poker talent. He was kind enough to write me for it. And I was very grateful for that because I had, you guys know, well, maybe you guys don't know, but I'm not really a math guy. I was not good at mathematics in high school. Pretty much whenever there's a math problem, I ask Carlos because he's the former math teacher. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really good at is surrounding myself with people who are far more intelligent than I am and uh, just trying to network and okay, this idea. What do you think of this, right? It, it, with everybody. And Steve was very nice and uh, was nice enough to write me an email. And help me out with something, and yeah, I thanked him, and that was pretty cool. And I was thinking, I'm in first class with Steve Zolotow. This is the greatest, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then I kind of thought, everybody, I'm wearing my, I'm not looking that hot. Like I'm, uh, I got a, uh, I got my draggy Las Vegas shirt on and my, uh, kind of torn up jeans, and uh, they're. And I'm thinking everybody here knows I'm not supposed to be in first class, right? And I'm like, ooh, gummy bears, ooh, champagne, right? And then uh but I kept thinking the day I stopped being that kid, I think that's the day I stopped having fun.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, so I, I had a lot of fun with that. Things have been things have been good. Uh spent uh spent a lot of time uh with my girl in Queens. I love Queens. I uh, I gotta tell you though. It is either burning hot in Queens or it is freezing. There is nothing in the middle. I understand why New Yorkers are such tough people. Now, there's that is a tough place to make it in. And uh, Montreal was good. Uh, I pushed myself a little too hard in Montreal. I I was going. uh, I I would wake up and on my little two hundred dollar laptop I bought right before going to the airport, I would do four lessons and then I would go to the poker tournament and play eight hours and then if that didn't work, I came home and I played online for four.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, obviously, I didn't do that every night, but uh, I did do it quite a bit uh, and I fell in love with Tim Hortons. That's, uh, that, it, it, I, it's like their working class Starbucks. Right. They, it's really... Yeah, and I it, it, it's really cool because I went to Tim Hortons and you can work on your laptop, but there's no, they call it no hydro. They 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 said there's no there's no power, right? right? And because uh, apparently they call power hydro in Canada, but yeah, they said, do you know what hydro is? And I said I said like a hydroponic pot. I said no 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 like uh pa- power and i said oh yeah yeah i guess that's where that comes from but yeah they they have no outlets right. in in tim Hortons, so because it's kind of the working class man's place to get coffee and a canadian uh maple bar mm-hmm. and yeah i i was working there late at night uh i'm feeling pretty optimistic these days it's uh it's a lot more work than i expected getting back on the tour well it's I, i'm really working two jobs now there's my teaching job and then there's my playing poker full time job and for the long time longest time i was just a full time coach which is if you think of uh if you if you think of a coach uh for an nba basketball team that that's a full time gig that's hmm. uh you're looking over reports at night you're, uh, you're filing notes. Uh, yeah. I still do all that stuff, but now i got to get on the court and play. And uh, that, that, that's that been an adjustment. And uh, fortunately, I have really good people around me that are really helpful. Uh, Carlos Welch and Dennis Peterson, in particular, have been really good about uh, pushing me to play. Uh, I wrote uh, Trisha Cardner recently, and I said, look, I... Uh, I need help with the life balance stuff. I'm really good at playing. I, I, I am very much liking my poker game right now. I'm, I'm feeling very good about where I am as a poker player. I've worked extremely hard on my game. And I'm very, very excited about what the future holds. But as far as personal management... There's all these new things you're dealing with, you know, divorce and a new girlfriend and mm-hmm. traveling and life. new diet life. Yeah. Well, one of the other things I'm dealing with now, I uh, you guys all know I used to be very big on I don't need sleep. I'm too tough for this, and I I can eat I eat meat dishes pretty much all the time. I finally got to a point I couldn't do it anymore. And I started uh, just at a loss of what to do. I started... uh, uh, Carlos and uh, my girlfriend are really into eating... uh, They wouldn't describe themselves as vegetarians, but just for their health, uh, they eat very vegetable-based diets. And I started eating some of the recipes they were creating, and I started feeling way better. And then I, I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, I always lived by 50 Cent. used to have this phrase. It was called sleep. He would say sleep is for broke people, right? And uh, I always loved that. Well, 50 Cent's broke. <laughs> so I guess he's sleeping. But yeah, I said, I, said, uh, I said to my girlfriend, you know, sleep is for broke people. And she said, sleep's for the rich. Yeah. So rich people sleep and i just she said it so assuredly and i thought i and then i talked to jonathan Little. this is the cool thing about my life barry who gets to know all these cool people you know like this is pretty cool right so i'm talking to jonathan little in new york and we're getting a coffee and i I was saying man i'm not sleeping that much and he he looked very confused, and he said, I sleep a lot, Alex. And hmm. it, He lo- he looked at me kind of concerned, like, why aren't you sleeping more? So I started trying to sleep eight hours and uh, just uh, try, trying to eat better. And my God, Barry, it's working really well. I'm feeling really good. Especially the... I stopped eating red meat, and I started eating chicken. Uh, I, I started cooking a lot of stuff that... I, I I cook most days in my house but uh in in Queens uh uh my girl was teaching me how to uh cook better dishes uh quite frankly uh just uh, more more in I guess I want to say plant based but I don't even know if that would be right she she taught me how to cook uh have you ever heard of this uh, spaghetti you make with zucchini yeah Dude, it's amazing. It tastes so good. And then it's 350 calories, and you feel incredible the rest of the day. And I, I thought, and Carlos was pointing out, yeah, and that costs you next to nothing, right? I, I went to a diner. I took my mom to a diner. I'm re- I love diners. I love working at diners. I love reading my newspaper at diners. I really miss diners in the United States when I was abroad. Uh, mm. But if I, if I take my mom... To a diner, and I I leave a good tip because service is always really good. One thing you can't say about Bullhead City, or as my friend calls it, Butthead City, uh, but Bullhead City, the people are very nice. The people are very sweet. So, of course, you want to leave your server a tip. And then it's Mm -hmm. you could eat for two weeks off of what I spend on one meal if you were just buying the. Uh, if you were just buying the Zoom... are kicking kit. yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so... Uh, yeah, so I, I've been trying to do that. Just... Also, all these little edges add up. That $400 there, $300 there. All that stuff adds up. Speaking of adding up... <laughs> and I, I got a... <laughs> one more this would only happen to Alex. story. Went in to see my doctor yesterday. Found out, well... there's different tiers of doctors in the United States. This is going to be really hard to explain to a lot of people. But I didn't have a primary care physician, but you can get a temporary doctor, right? I had a doctor I was speaking to in Queens, and I couldn't get my prescription refilled there just due to a scheduling issue. So I tried to see uh, one in uh, Bullhead City, and they said, no, I can't help you. I went to five places that said no, I can't help you. My medications are not something you should trifle with. It's not something you should skip for a night. And I eventually had to go to the emergency room. And I know, Okay, what, what what okay, just out of curiosity, Barry, what's your tax rate? In in the United yeah. Kingdom.
1: For average earners, that's 20%. Yeah,
0: okay. And you just walk into a hospital and you're fine, right?
1: yeah
0: i've paid up to 50 percent some years i just went into an emergency room i'm probably going to get a check for 429 i mean a bill for 429 dollars not to mention all the taxis to go to five separate doctors that turned me down so now we're up to about 500 then the medication. the cool thing is generic medication here is really cheap but yeah it was uh all that stuff adds up, just bad planning, bad diet, all, it, it, and I really feel as if I have to, I was telling one of my students, I said, I want to do well in Vegas, and I told them, the game starts the minute you get off that plane. You, you, you're walking by Starbucks, and you see the scone and the tea, and it looks delicious, and on an off day, I'd have one with you can't have it before the tournament you got to be in tip-top shape my friend and and i'm kind of thinking for me for anybody who's trying to be a professional the game is every single day every single day how you manage your money how you manage your diet how you manage your emotions how you manage your relationships how you manage your time this all goes into being a professional poker player so you uh and yeah i'm I'm feeling pretty good about it, though. I feel in pretty good spirits. How, how, how have you been, by the way? Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be revealing about your personal life, but I know you've had some changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been no, it's been good. Uh, we just moved into a new uh, new place, and um, that was obviously that's always stressful.
0: Yes, it um,
1: is. And we did that, and then we went away on holiday, which uh, isn't stressful. So it was balance, you know. <laughs> it was like. Uh, that was that, but we yeah, we had an issue at the airport. But uh, I won't bore people with it. Um, I'll save it for another time. Yeah, unlike uh, Alex here, I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna save you. <laughs> no, we've start. done that. I, no, I just I'm aware Alex has got a lesson after this one, and uh, we should probably get into the questions because <laughs> yeah, we, let's do that. We talked okay. for a bit, and then I, I don't like to keep Alex at, you know at the end when he's got a lesson to go to. And, well, you know,
0: and I want to thank you guys for indulging me. I used to keep a daily blog, and that was my way of, I felt almost a responsibility because so many people don't get to go for their dreams due to one thing or another. And I always kept a blog because I wanted a record of it. I wanted to remember because Mm -hmm. you just don't remember everything. You You just don't. And now I really get that through the One Outer podcast. So I hope my little digressions and thoughts entertain you guys. I thank you for indulging me. Let's get and into I told, some questions. I told
1: you, I, told you I, uh, I bumped into a guy and I was talking to him. He's like, oh, I listen to the podcast all the time. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. And he's like, oh, no, the bits before it are, are good as well. I, like, I can relate to so much of it, like what you and Alex say. So I told Alex that. So it is great when we hear that. And lots of people have emailed in as well. It's just, uh, mine's another travel story, so, um. That's, that's uh,
0: good because in, uh, Montreal, one British guy said, you do the show, right? And I go, what? And he goes, the one outer podcast. And I said, yes. And he goes, yeah, you can just rant about anything for 20 minutes. And I, I said, <laughs> yes, that's, that, that is the show. And <laughs> he didn't seem too happy about me ranting. And uh and then Dennis Peterson, you know, he wanted to back me up as a buddy and he goes, Yeah, the first time I heard the one hour podcast, I turned it off after ten minutes and I just said, Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> Good advertisement for everyone at the table right here. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I thank you guys. You get honestly you guys send me a lot of very nice emails and I really appreciate that. You send me a lot of very nice emails. It's great. It's gonna be great. The what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I loved. It. They're the best. Yeah, <laughs> Do-
0: Donald of Arabia right now is hilarious. But yeah, okay. Anyway, let's get into the let, let's get into the questions.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the first one is from Eric Emerson, who is emailed in. Uh, I first want to start out by saying how thankful I am for the time that you and Alex put into making the show. Great poker strategy, artistically explained, mixed with mediocre stand-up comedy, (laughs) uh, lol. (laughs) Kind of like Bob Ross would have had a show on Comedy Central, but Bob Ross is the the artist guy, isn't it? Painting, whatever. Yeah. But I digress, just recently started taking lessons from Alex, and I can honestly say best money I've ever invested in my poker education. I may not have graduated college, but I hope to have my degree from Assassinato University one day. Probably shouldn't have made that public. Good luck me ever getting any bluffs bluffs through again. My question today for Alex is, when I open and get 3-bet, what should my flatten range be? I know this may be player-dependent, and as many things are in poker, I'm sure it's not just black and white. Just looking for an insight into this topic. Your friend, Eric Emerson.
0: Well... I find very good question. Uh, I really appreciate the email. Uh, he, he, this guy's really funny in person, by the way. He's he, he, it's really nice to hear from him. I, I find flatting three bets to be a very overplayed. It, it, it's interesting. I'm a uh, with master the flop. I, I got another master the flop video I got to do today. I. With Master the Flop, I, uh, I, for those of you who don't know, I do these pre-sales through my, uh, through my email newsletters. And what I do is I go, here's the next concept. And if you want to be one of the first guys on a pre-order, you're going to get it much cheaper than everybody else. But the problem is you're going to wait. And they said, whatever. And they sent me their money. But they ended up waiting a little bit longer than I meant because... I I started working on it and then I saw Rob Tinian's work and I didn't want to step on his toes because he did a really good job and I I, I scratched I scratched everything I had uh, because it, it just it wasn't it wasn't to my standards. And I started asking myself how can I get somebody really good at null no Limit hold 'em and playing the flop specifically, the turn, the river. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed is there are certain disadvantages you do not want to have. And I asked myself, where can I help my students make money? And I found out, if I told you, let's say you're in the hijack, and I, you, you get dealt jack-nine suited, ten-eight suited, nine-seven suited, a 7 suited, eight seven suited and I said, Barry, due to the rules of the game, you must post 7X right now and announce your range. Would you ever do it?
1: Would I you must, must
0: post, post
1: 7X. 7X, and uh-huh.
0: not only that, you will be guaranteed to be out of position. Would you do it? No. Absolutely not. Yet, when you open to 2.5X, and everybody knows you're opening 25-plus percent of the hands, and people are proficient at three-betting you, and you are willing to flat the three-bet, you're effectively doing that. Because you're probably... The way to flat three-bets is to have queens into flat and to check-raise the guy on the flop and have the guy have no idea you have an overpair. And then if you do that, you can flat some of the weaker combinations and run some plays. I I was at the risk of sounding like a poker hipster. In 2010, I started flatting everybody's three bets because I noticed people were three betting and did not really have much of a plan if I flatted. If I flatted, that was so egregiously bad in those days, but I was known as a player who had success, they assumed I just had aces. They, they, they assumed I was playing a little game so they, uh, back then they called it the hood flat not really sure why and they would put a really tiny c-bet on the flop and I would check raise uh, if I told you the actual percentage of the time I check raise, I, I fear you would never believe a check raise from me again but uh, I don't do that anymore I, or they would just check and give up. I don't flat three bets that much anymore. Uh, Riard's Dobelis has actually done a lot of research into this. And oftentimes, he's showing me a model where he goes, Alex, you have to in- invest a regular 17 big blinds to win one here. Or you could forfeit the big blind and move on. What's the right answer? And I, 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 I told him I, I honestly don't know. Technically, you're supposed to get that big blind, but if you think about running a business, there, I don't know these terms because I'm not a businessman. But there's a, there is, I, I, I do work in business, but I would not say my education is sufficient enough to describe myself as somebody who. Who would have an MBA level understanding or something along those lines? But there are, you have to, there's a difference. If I go up to you and I say, I will give you a coin flip to win $100,000 or I will give you $50,000 just straight up front, which one would you prefer? Now, there would be some snooty online guys who'd say it's the exact same expectation. And I would say that's missing the point. You just take the 50000 because there's no risk. And there are more highfalutin terms for that, which I, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not really... I am a gambler. I did not go to college. There is something to be said for that. And one of the times I don't really like risking quite a bit to win a little is flatting out of position. Now there are times for it. There are ti- the, there are times. Uh, generally if somebody three bets me very small, you're going you're not gonna see my cards hit the mock. What I generally want when I flat is something I can donk lead with or I can check raise with. So a good example of that would be, Let's say I have nine, eight of diamonds. If you see the board comes seven of diamonds, four of spades, two of spades, I check, you bet, I check raise, you call. You might not think I have much of anything there. I have quite a bit. If the turn is a ten, I can put pressure on you. If the turn is a six, I can put pressure on you. If the turn is a spade, assuming we're doing this with short stacks, I, I might give you three barrels, because you probably would have three that all in with the flush draw. I have numerous options there. Whereas if I have ace-jack offsuit, I had a hand, I'm always trying to find ways to make myself look like a knit. In Montreal, I opened a 600 in this one poker tournament, and a guy made it 1,600, and another guy cold called. I had ace-jack offsuit. It came around to me in the second because I don't believe in wasting other people's time. I just folded really quickly, and the guy to my right. Uh, in a card room, you're going to play with many people who don't really like themselves. Uh, he was—he started. Oh, you fold, how do you fold that quickly? You raise and you fold that quickly. You don't need to think about it. Oh, it's just a thousand more. What could? It must have been a pretty terrible hand, and I. At the end of the hand, I thought, this is very strange. I can tell him exactly what my hand is, and he's going to still think I'm an idiot. And uh, the the board came jack, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I would have folded. By the end, probably, if there was any resistance. I was also going to be out of position versus two pretty aggressive players with an easily dominated hand. And I said to the guy, ace jack the guy started laughing at me like what what an idiot and then he went never can be too careful huh and uh first of all it it (laughs) um i don't know who this guy is but i'm going to assume he's still learning how to play poker if i was learning how to play violin and i was two and a half years in and I went for my lesson, and there was a kid who was nine months in, I wouldn't be yelling at him and laughing at him, because that would be extremely awkward. But I guess if you're that kind of person, okay. But I was very proud because it made me look like a knit. But furthermore, it shows me the entire table kind of laughed at me. This is the greatest thing I have seen in years. Do you know what happens if you flat really bad aces out of position? Flatting really bad aces is... Okay, the, here are the scenarios. You flop an ace. You're good. You get the C bet. That's it. People do not double barrel ace high boards. You flop the ace. You're not good. Most of you guys, quite frankly, won't fold to the second or third barrel if you have top pair. So he's getting two or three streets out of you when you're second best, and you're getting one street out of him when you're first best. Second option, you miss the board. You check raise with the ace high. One of your favorite, one of your, one of your best options to negate your positional disadvantage when you flat three bets is to check raise. Having an ace in your hand when you check-raise is really bad because most combinations that are going to be bet-folding are going to be ace-x big cards. Having an ace in your hand rules them out. Furthermore, the worst implied odd... Excuse me. Uh, you know, that's kind of right. The worst reverse implied odds you're going to have is with an ace. You imagine a board, 5-4-2. Five, uh, five of hearts, four of hearts, two, two of spades. You have king of hearts, queen of spades. Beautiful hand to check raise. Uh, Because if you hit the king or the queen, it's very unlikely your opponent 3-bet with uh, queen 5 or king King 3. Your outs are very good, and you can go for the turn and river value bet. Now let's switch it up to a7. If the turn comes a 7, he could have 7-5 suited. That's not really a big concern. But if the turn comes an ace, have fun. Because ace-5, ace-4, ace-2 suited is in his range. He could have just made 2-pair while you made top-pair. Do you know what happens in a 3-bet pot that's been check-raised on the flop? When you hit top-pair on the turn, he hits 2-pair. You go broke. Your your most likely option is to go broke. You will bet the turn. He will jam. You should fold. Many people don't. You go broke. So everybody at this table told me I didn't expect to take an impromptu informal survey. Everybody at this table just told me they do not how to play three bot do not how to do not know how to play three-bet pots out of position. They don't. And everybody keeps telling me poker is so hard to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. If all the world played Street Fighter, what are the chances everybody is amazing at it? You would say, well, not not very likely. The, the game looks fairly complex. Well, poker is 100 times more complex than Street Fighter. Uh, I, don't think, I, I think, actually, there might be a little bit more skill in Street Fighter because you have to be really quick. But poker is a very intensive game when it comes to strategy. And this is an amazing example of something everybody is screwing up. If you're going to flat out a position, it preferably... Let's put this into Cliff Notes. Preferably, you want to flat smaller three bets... You want it versus somebody you know who can't double-barrel or triple-barrel. You want it versus somebody who see bets too much and you think will full do a check-raise. You want to do it with suited connectors. Our Broadways are okay because they are good check-raising hands, but they do present... The, the problem is I love King Queen on... I love Broadways on... Let's say I have Jack ten. Uh, suited, and the board comes five of my suit, four, two. I love check-raising there, because if I hit my hand, I'm probably golden. But if the board comes jack-high, and the guy is capable of triple-barreling as a bluff, I have a big, big problem. If you're playing online, you can just look. what Three statistics I look at, more than anything, are flop, bet, turn bat, river bat. Flop continuation bet, turn continuation bet, river continuation bet, and repeatedly in my lessons I find nobody looks at them because if I see a guy who just goes bet that bet, bet I, I don't flap him unless my hand rain unless my hand is really likely to hold up versus that. If he goes bet check check, something like eighty percent C bet, thirty percent turn bet. Then I'll call him, because if, the, if this guy just keeps firing, he's got it. I can let it go. Live, you're going to have to look at the guy. You're, you're going to have to make an assessment. I, I find, and this is something Carlos Welch taught me, Okay, Carlos Welch calls himself a mediocre poker coach. He does that kind of cheekily. If you guys want lower-cost poker coaching, he's your guy. He, uh, because he teaches me. And he said, well, as far as I can see it, there's mistakes you can make, and there's really small mistakes, and there's really big mistakes. And uh, it, the really big mistake you can make is playing a big pot out of position and not really knowing what you're doing. And the small mistake is to fold right out the gate and lose your two, 2.5x, whatever that open is. Now, obviously, it's still a mistake if there was a way you could have made a profit, but there's many times I accept, ah, I got outplayed here. I shouldn't have opened here with the Jack9 suited. I, I opened a little too early and then I adjust my opening ranges and maybe I'll open it up again a little later when I think the guy can't 3-bet me. Um, the stack sizes are a little more compromising for that or for whatever reason, but generally if I'm in that spot, it's because I I opened a little too wide, the guy 3-bet uh, the guy's 3-betting a tight range. It, there's There's no, the, the, the size of the mistake I'll be making by folding is not that great. Whereas if I decide to go down this rabbit hole of defending myself out of position for three streets, this could be a very, very severe mistake. I, I hope these tips help you. Good luck to you.
1: Okay, and our next question is from Rob. Hi, guys. Okay, my question is on hand-for-hand bubble play. If we are playing a 15 to 20 big blind stack, how do we balance taking advantage of players who are just wanting to make the money but also not risk going out without a cash ourselves? Are there any pointers you can talk about? Thanks.
0: Thank you for your uh, question. Was his name Josh?
1: Wrong. Rob, same thing. It
0: was, uh, my <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh, I was looking at my dog scurrying about here, so I heard the question, but I didn't hear the name. I find a lot is made out of this, and I think it's much ado about nothing. I don't adjust. (laughs) The funny thing is Mike Carroll wrote this really interesting article years ago that said, you don't understand how small the adjustments are. So a really good example of that would be on the bubble, I got a few guys playing a little more tight. I'm just before the, the low jack. Is that what the kids call it now? Anyway, MP2. I have king jack offsuit. I generally wouldn't open there because I consider that a pretty crappy hand. I, I I'll open that on the bubble. King 10 offsuit, okay, I'll open that. Pocket 4s, okay, I'll open that because it's a little less likely uh, if I have some scaredy cats to my left that they're going to be coming over the top. That's about it. I I don't adjust that much more. I find this is a great way to say you're a great poker player and not really do much of anything about it. We all remember the days where Phil Ivey would play every single hand on the bubble and we all long for them. I don't believe those days are around anymore. I think it's kind of gone. If you have five guys at your mm-hmm. table that are trying to pound the bubble, your correct play is to not play a hand and, that, <laughs> and just get into the money. It's funny because Johnny Chan wrote a book of, of obvious cash in uh, years and years ago. And uh, he said, on the bubble, you want to be tight so you can make sure you get into the money. And I laughed because that flew in the face of common wisdom. And then we started doing more work with ICM and we found out, lo and behold, Johnny Chan was right. There's a lot of times you should stall because a min cash is going to be worth, let's say it's the WSOP main event, a min cash is going to be worth $14,000 and your chips at this point are worth 6833 so if you want to just double your real money, by all means, knit it up. Now, obviously, this is really funny. People say there's no stalling hand for hand. Well, let's see. Let's say I have, and this is something Gavin Smith said a very long time ago. Apparently, he has a card room in Alaska. Is what I heard in Canada. Had you heard, Had you heard of this? Yeah, no, yeah, apparently no. he's got a card room in Alaska. Anyway, but the I
1: I just saw, as a side note there for poker characters and trivia from the past as well. I read about uh, Willie Thorson the other day. He's gave up poker like five years ago and he converted to Islam. Excuse me. Yeah, that William William Thorson, the guy that had the big main event run a few years ago and uh he was he played a lot of the epts and stuff as well i
0: had no idea well i think if you're doing this for the wrong reasons it can feel like a very empty existence and there i this is this is strange i don't talk about this too much my high school sweetheart was an islamic girl and i did i did pray at mosque and i did read the quran and uh there's a there's a lot about charity and taking care of people and loving one another there and that obviously there's other parts just like the Old Testament perhaps you don't want to focus on in their holy book I could see why that could provide meaning to someone that's interesting that's really I, I obviously it wasn't for me otherwise I wouldn't be doing this for a living uh it, <laughs> but yeah anyway it's uh that's very interesting that's it, that's yeah. Gavin Smith, I always wondered how he was because I loved him on that show. The what, what, what was it? I, I guess it was Poker Road, right? Was what what his show was? Uh-huh. Him and Joe Seabock. Joe, Joe Seabock. I I always felt Joe if Joe relaxed a little bit and we, he'd be doing a lot better and playing some lower stakes tournaments. And I always got worried about him. And uh, well. We all know how that ended up, but Gavin I always just loved, and one of the things he said was, you can still stall hand for hand, and when I heard that, I said, how how do you do that, right? I'm listening to the podcast while I'm working security or whatever (laughs) back in 2006. He said, what if you have 14 big blinds and ace-queen under the gun on the bubble of the main event? might want to put a chip on your cards and look around and see if anybody else is all in. And then <laughs> sure enough, you know, nobody goes all in. Well, okay, I'm all in, but you see three guys go all in. Uh, I think I can pass with this ace queen. So, he his whole thing was there should be a stopwatch. And which I would like as a professional, I don't think recreational players would like. Uh I think I think on the bubble in the words of Phil Ivey, I never have a plan. When I show up to play poker, I take what the table gives me. If the table's not going to give you anything, don't try to force it. You know, I've been the bubble boy before. And a lot of times, you know, you know how I get all my chips on the bubble? I take money from the guy who's trying to pound everybody. I don't take it from... I, I don't get to raise and have everybody fold anymore. That doesn't happen. What happens is I had a kid at the Venetian, uh British kid, drinking in Newcastle at, you know, twelve oh four PM
1: <laughs> not a not a
0: bad kid. He was just drinking, right? And uh he decided he was gonna kill us before the bubble and uh yeah, you know, I got I got him all in. Dad did three outs for the Chip lead he he, he had a lobby da. But I was very proud of myself for catching him trying to hammer everybody but he almost gave away his chip lead in a very big tournament in a multi-day tournament because he was trying to hammer the bubble and not just me there were a couple guys at the table who would have punished him for it but there's also sometimes you're playing like a daily deep stack or something you just might get seven people from texas who are playing for fun and they might let you Fold them out. So by all means, open a little bit more. Just open your ranges by five percent, and see how that works. And get get back to me. Write us. Write in again and tell me if you have any success with what we discussed here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got time for one last question? Yes, Alex? sir, I do. Okay, this one. Let me see what one we'll go. Um, do you want river play? Actually, this one's got two questions, I think. Yeah, River Play and Bet Sizing. Or do you want one about building stacks in early stages of a tournament? Let's do
0: building stacks in early stages of a tournament.
1: Okay. Okay. This one is from Grant. Hello, gentlemen. Really enjoyed the last few episodes. I've got gotten so much insight into many areas. Thanks so much for the work you both put in. My question is about building stacks early in a tournament. What are some ways that I should be looking at building a stack early in a tournament? I find when I have a decent stack after the first levels, I play more concentrated and usually have much better results. I know lots of people talk about playing tight in early stages, but if the field is if the but if the field is, then should we not be better at looking at ways to exploit this, thank you.
0: What was his name? You used to always say the person's name at the end while I was thinking of the answers to the questions, and I go, thanks, Rob. Oh, G- Grant. Grant.
1: This one, well, I just read it Such an idiot. One of, my, one of one guy, of my best the... friends was named Grant
0: growing up. I should have I sh- remembered that. Yeah, anyway.
1: If the guy's not put at the end, I just put it at the start, because I'll copy and paste them from emails now. Grant,
0: grant's a good name. You don't need enough Grants. Do you like the name Grant?
1: Yeah, I know a few Grants, yeah, so it's British, British, uh, quite popular in Britain, actually, the name One of the
0: coolest guys I knew growing up was a Japanese kid, and I don't know if he picked his own name or whatever, but he went by Grant Kimura, and I I always thought that was such a badass name, like, Grant Kimura, mm. Alexander Fitzgerald sounded a little too hoity-toity to me growing up, but uh, Grant Kimura, I was like, now that's a name, right, and he was and, of course, he was a musician. He was really good at it. You know, he was just a badass. But, yeah, anyway, uh, as far as I was really excited when I heard you say the topic of this, because I, making Master the Flop, I, I was trying to figure out, I, I think most people, when they make products, they think, what will look really good, what will be entertaining? for poker players. I start with what is going to be the most effective, because if you guys make money, if you if you invest fifty dollars in a webinar and you make two hundred and fifty dollars, you're likely gonna come back to me. And I think that's why I've enjoyed such good success in my profession is I've always thought with profit in mind and simplified what's the twenty eighty, the ten ninety, the five ninety five. One of the big ones is your approach to early stages in poker tournaments. I, I was very fascinated by Shane Schlager's career. Because Shane Schlager in Rebuy's, uh, Rebuy tournaments, it, they should have called the WCP 1K Rebuy the Shane Schlager Invitational. It, it was, he just final tabled it every year. And when he played online in the 100R, he just always was there. He was always pushing. And uh, I saw an interview with him. And he said, everybody decides at the beginning of tournaments they're going to play. They're going to play tight. And at the end of the tournament, they're going to play loose. I play the exact opposite. And a light bulb went on in my brain. And I, I returned to this because Tim Ferriss has a thing. Who, he, he says when you're trying to learn something, look for the guy that uh, shouldn't be successful, right? And uh, mm-hmm. ask, why is he successful? So I started asking around. I said, who, who when we were coming up, was really successful? Or now, these days, is really successful? Or, I, I started with guys who were around a long time because then I thought it wasn't as likely to be a flash in the pan. And somebody whose name I won't. I won't say," said I. "Didn't get Shane Schlager, man? You know, with the crack and everything, because I, I guess he didn't he write a post that he smoked crack or something or something along those lines. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. I guess that. well, well sure. if you didn't, Shane, my bad. But
1: uh, I don't. <laughs> I think he did a, a, anyway. All, all views expressed that Alexander uh, <laughs> totally. <Gareth, absolutely>. Uh, <laughs> he uh, it
0: doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact he was. Uh, he was a remarkably consistent pro when he was on. And I, I, I returned to trying to find out what he was doing while I was making Master the Flop. And I, I, re- I, went, I read that, and I said, there it is. That's what he's doing. And with Master the Flop, the initial videos, I haven't shown a flop yet. I'm just talking about what flops do you want to take? And uh, there's an abbreviation I'm not going to sh- share. Uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of what's exclusive to you guys. But essentially, I did some database management. I was looking through databases, obviously, just me and my friends. And uh, I found if you took certain flops in a certain way and certain stack sizes, like you just couldn't lose. And You know when it was the easiest to do that was at the beginning of the tournament because everybody's opening everything, and then they flat. I'll give you a hint. If they flat three bets out of position, they're going to lose, essentially, if they don't know what they're doing. And there's hands you can do that with that will produce a profit. There's hands you can do that with that won't produce a profit. Uh, Shameless plug, if you want to find out which is which, Sign up for Master the Flop. The pre-order is 150. It's going to be 400 when I'm all done. If you pay 150, what you're paying for is it's going to take a little longer to get all the videos out because I'm doing what I'm doing is I'm doing a succession of videos about the concepts, and then I'm going to do one webinar where we do a hundred-point questionnaire. And you actually fill out the questionnaire privately and you send it to me and I'll score it for you and I'll keep the score in my records. And if you ever apply for a backing house, you can say, Alex will tell you I got a 91 on the test. And it's not going to be like tester poker. Tester poker was designed to make you cry. Uh, Tester poker was every difficult situation I could throw at you. It was not meant to be a test you could get an A on. This will be a test that if you pay attention you can get an A on it, right? And anywho, uh, Shane Schlager really opened my eyes because you should play looser at the beginning of poker tournaments, but what you sh- your three bet is the new open. The open is the new super big blind. <laughs> because people, if people are going to open with 35% of the hands under the gun, it is close to another blind, because that is far too many hands to be opening. And I went to Montreal, I went to Prague, I went to Las Vegas, I play online, I play online cash games, I play at poker Stars. I play on America's Cardroom. Everybody does this. They open everything because it's more fun. People play poker. People do not play poker to win money, I'm sorry. There are things in life you know you should do, and then there's things in life... You actually do. One of those, let's take drinking for an example. Should anyone ever drink? I'm going to say pluses and minuses. Uh, I, I, I could see having a couple beers with your friends. Should you ever intensely drink? No. Causes brain damage, makes you make decisions you regret for the rest of your life, makes you say things that could ruin relationships. Probably not. Do people get drunk anyway? Yeah. Because it's their life. They can do it. It's the same thing with poker. Should you open Jack Nine Suited under the gun? Probably not. Are you going to do it though? Well, you didn't play poker to fold, did you? You, you came to. <laughs> should you have a pizza at the poker tournament? Probably not. Do you want a pizza? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm getting a pizza. And I'm going to open this Jack Nine Suited and I'm going to have a beer. And by the way, I'm not trying to judge you because it's your vacation. It's poker. It's supposed to be fun. But if other people, if everybody else is playing poker for fun, I don't care how big their hoodie is, how expensive their Beats headphones are, how much they stare at me, how much time they spend time banking. That was the thing that blew my mind with the Ace Jack. If I had time banked with it, it would have been better before I folded, even though I know what I'm going to (laughs) do. In the first few seconds, I guess I should have not disrespected the game and I should have wasted everybody's time by thinking there for 10 seconds, right? If everybody's going to open everything at the beginning of tournaments, you should be three-betting everything. And you should be hammering them for three streets. Just three right on top of each other. Just give it to them. Just Just keep pushing. Go for three streets of value. The easiest street to make money on is the river. Because if you bet 40%, 99% of tournament players are just going to go, all right, let's see it. Are you kidding me? 12 big blinds you're just going to throw into the pot? Do you know how hard it is to make back 12 big blinds? That's insane. And they just throw it away. Like nothing. All the money is in the river getting the triple barrel. So... In the old days, if a guy opened on the gun, I folded ace-queen offsuit on the button. These days, I 3-bet king-jack offsuit for value. Because they're opening jack-eight suited, and they're flatting a 3-bet. And then if the board comes king-eight-seven, I'm going for three streets. Now, do once in a while, do I value-own myself, value-kill myself versus ace-king? Yeah, of course it happens. But normally... They have tens, and the, the beautiful thing about live poker is they don't have to turn their hand over. So, they, they'll just call. Because they, they can fold their tens, and they, oh, they just want to see it. Right? Maybe you have nine ten, while well, you have two of the tens, so that doesn't make sense, but nobody thinks of that. But anyway, and, uh, yeah, go for all the money at the beginning. And then, I find once we, we're coming up on the bubble, A lot of times, I'm trying to catch the guy. It's funny how this all works together, these questions today. On the bubble, I find I'm trying to catch the guy that's trying to kick it into high gear and run over everybody because I I do find that to be a dated strategy in many tournaments these days. And then deep in tournaments, I, I don't get tight, but I play a little slower than I did at the beginning. I'm a little bit more careful about the spots I pick. And I'm really aware of the the random berserk factor. People randomly go berserk, and you you do have to you, you do have to account for that. And I think keeping your head on straight is really where all the money is in tournament poker. That's why you got to hit the gym every day, drink tons of water, watch your caffeine intake, not eat pizza, not not welcome relationships in your life that are very stressful uh good luck to you
1: okay and uh, that's all we got time for today on this episode Um if you want to send in questions for alex on a future show as i said at the start please email questions at com, and we will get to it eventually on an episode in the future alex how can people get in touch with you for you mentioned master the flop already um, buying any of your existing programs, webinars, or your private coaching, etc.? How, how can people get in touch?
0: Go ahead and uh, write me at alex.pokerheadrush.com at if you guys have questions about anything. Uh, for those of you listening today, due to, my, uh, due to my needing to go to six separate doctors yesterday, I'm a little behind on paperwork uh, but yeah, I, w- I do, I do respond to all my own emails. That is me. That is not an assistant. That's the good side. The bad side is sometimes it takes me a little while to respond. In the old days we had an assistant that would just write canned responses and I got sick of that. I didn't think that was a smart idea after a while. If Gary V can respond to his own emails, I sure as heck can. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, you can also write me on Twitter if you guys have questions about anything at the It's the same thing. I don't get to check Twitter that often because I'm doing so many lessons like this. That's it. That's pretty much it. Right. Write me on one... Oh, sign up for my newsletter at PokerHeadrush dot com, and you can get uh, you can get free articles and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, uh,
1: that
0: that's pretty much it.
1: Okay. And that will be the end of the show for today. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Until then, take care. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's
0: Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker sit-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players, no more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.